Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Buenos dias. <laughs> Dios te bendiga. Oh. <laughs> Can I just start off this morning real quick and thank those of you who, who give faithfully here at Shoreline Community Church. Uh, because of your faithful giving, it allows us to share the hope and the love of Jesus with our community and around the world. And I also want to say thank you real quick to uh, those who, who faithfully gave of their time and money to spend a week, eight days, in the Dominican Republic with us a few weeks ago. It was so great to get to know some of you better to sweat alongside of you, like a lot of sweat. If you've ever jumped in a swimming pool with your clothes on, you know what kind of soaking and sweat you got. Uh, it was just a great time to spend together uh, serving Jesus and, and taking his hope and his love uh, with us as we went. So Dios te bendiga, God bless you. We heard that a lot in the Dominican Republic, and I want to express that with you today. God bless you. Thankful for your faithful giving. I've been on a number of missions trips, and as much as I love the experience, as much as I love the opportunity to take the hope and love of Jesus uh, to, to countries around the world and, and to share with them, if I can be very open and honest with you this morning, before every trip that I go on, I have the same thought, the same question that comes into my mind, and that question is, what do I really have to offer? What do I have to offer? My life, my talents, my abilities, they seem so small and so insignificant in the grand scheme of things. There's currently about 7.5 billion people in the world, and the city of Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, hosts three million of those people. What can some goofy, tall, blonde guy from outside of Seattle bring to a city of three million people that they can't do for themselves? Or what do I have to offer that they don't have the access to? Today we're going to take a look at a story that most of you are probably very familiar with. It's a story about a young boy who gave the, the little bit that he had to Jesus and washes Jesus, multiplied it to feed thousands and thousands. So will you stand and read this with me this morning as we start at the beginning part of John chapter 6. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves he gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. 
After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet that we have been expecting. Lord, today we just thank you for your word that you give us, that we have the opportunity to see your interactions with uh, people, to see the miracles that you perform, to see your love for us. And Lord, we thank you that even though we have this word to reference to, this, this Bible, the book that we read, Lord, the, we're thankful today that you continue to speak to us. Uh, even, as, even as we study your word today, Lord, I pray that you'd be speaking to our hearts, speaking to our minds. Uh, Lord, speak right into the very situations and circumstances that we face today. Lord, we love you so much. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Not to copy Jesus, but you can sit down. So. <laughs> Did you know that there are only two miracles that are recorded in all four of the Gospels? One of those miracles is the resurrection of Jesus. Kind of a big deal. Probably the biggest moment in the history of the universe. And the other miracle that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all describe is this one right here. The feeding of the 5,000. This is such a rich passage. You know, it could be that these guys all shared it because they like eating. I can understand that. Uh, if you've attended Shoreline Community Church for a while, we like eating, so you're in a good place. But I think that there's more to it. I think that there's more behind this passage. And we could probably turn these 14 verses into a full five, six-week series. Uh, I want to be really considerate of your time today, so I'm only going to preach three of those weeks. And you can make it home in time for dinner. <laughs> Fish and loaves. That's what we're eating tonight, right? In the chapters leading up to this moment, Jesus has done a lot. He encountered the Samaritan woman at the well. He healed the son of a government official in Capernaum. He healed a lame man in Jerusalem. And then these guys called the Pharisees came to Jesus and kind of got on him for healing somebody on the Sabbath. How dare you heal somebody on a Sabbath? That's a day of rest. And Jesus responded by saying, my father is always working and so am I. So I'm going to need some crowd participation, family Sunday. Can you raise your hand if you're glad that Jesus never, never takes a day off? I'm pretty glad that Jesus never takes a day off. And it's no surprise that these events brought a lot of attention to Jesus and that a huge crowd had begun to follow him. When I think of a huge crowd, I picture a, hundred, a couple hundred people. Uh, in this case, I think John should have skipped right past the word huge and used a word like ginormous. Or maybe gargantuan. Those are fun words, and to me, they mean a lot more than this word huge. More than 5,000 men were climbing up the hillside looking for Jesus. And with them were thousands upon thousands more women and children. A conservative, ex a conservative estimate would have placed the crowd roughly 15,000 people. Could have been upwards of that, maybe 20, 22,000. And I love being around people. I'm an extrovert through and through. But if I saw a crowd that large following after me, I gotta admit I'd probably run and hide. It'd be a little scary. Thankfully, Jesus responds better than I would. And his first question when he sees the crowd is, where can we buy bread to feed all of these people? Philip, the penny pincher, replies, we can't afford to do that. 
Many believe that Philip was the guy who's responsible for kind of uh, taking care of the, the food and, and, and all of that for the disciples and Jesus as they traveled. And, and as he looks at what they have to offer, he says, we can't afford to do that. Andrew says, hey, there's a kid over here with some tuna fish sandwiches, but what good is that going to do for a crowd this size? Andrew's a little more optimistic than Peter, but he still has his doubts, and he's not wrong. Culturally speaking, the, the loaves were a little bit closer in size and shape to a small pancake. And the fish were nothing like the ones that Pastor Steve catches, those big, huge salmon, delicious. But we're, we're a little bit more resembling of maybe a sardine, a garnish for the loaves. So Andrew takes a look at the five loaves and the two fish, and he looks at the, out of the crowd and says, there's no way this is going to work. Some of you here this morning have teenagers, and you can empathize a little bit with Andrew because you open the fridge or the cabinets, and you look at your teenagers, and you're like, there's no way there's enough food here to keep them all full. My dad threatened to buy me a cow when I was in uh, high school because he got tired of buying all that, all that milk. Yeah. And it's almost in this moment as if Andrew is saying, what's the point? Why even bother trying? What good is this going to do? This meal is too small to make a difference. And that thought process kind of brings me back to what I shared earlier, the questions and some thoughts that come to my mind when I'm preparing to go on a missions trip. They're actually also the same questions and thoughts that come to my mind before I get ready to speak on a Wednesday night in the youth group or when I'm preparing a message to share with you here today. What do I have to offer? What can I really offer? My abilities are so small. Will they even make a difference? Sometimes we feel kind of like this tube or vial. If you're sitting in the back and you're having a hard time seeing it, it's because it's really small. But sometimes we feel kind of like this tuber vial. It's not empty. It's, it's full of tiny little beads, about a thousand of them. There are lots of skills. There's lots of gifts. There's lots of talents and abilities inside. But how can this vial, how can this little tube make an impact on the world around us? How can we make an impact in a place like the Dominican Republic or in a city like Shoreline or in the, the places that we work or the homes that we're raising families in? How can we make a difference in those places? I love that when Jesus originally asks Philip where they can buy bread to feed everyone, verse 6 tells us that his question was just a test and that Jesus already knew exactly how he was going to feed the crowd. He knew the boy was there. He knew exactly what the boy held in his hands, the five loaves and the two fish. He knew exactly how he was going to multiply it and disperse it into the crowd to feed everyone, to meet everyone's needs. And I want to stop here for a moment and encourage you that the test or the, the season of life that you're in, or maybe the one that you're about to enter into, Jesus already knows the outcome. Jesus already knows exactly what he's going to do in the midst of that situation. The storm that's coming toward the East Coast, towards the Bahamas, Jesus already knows exactly how he's going to respond in that moment.
And after Andrew mentions the boy and his small snack, Jesus instructs the disciples to have everyone sit down. He gives thanks to God, he distributes the food, and after everyone is full, they collected 12 baskets of leftovers. What's amazing to me in John chapter 6 is that the boy with the loaves and the fish never seems to question if what he has is enough. We never see him saying to Andrew, well, I would give it to you if I thought it would make a difference, but being as the crowd is so huge and I'm hungry, I'm going to keep it for myself. Instead, what we see is he apparently just willingly gives gives it over and sits back and watches as Jesus multiplies it to feed upwards of 15,000 people. And then the boy isn't even mentioned again. We don't know how he came into this situation. We don't know the last time he ate a meal. We don't know the home situation that he came from. The barley loaves and the fish are are thought to be kind of a poor person's meal. And we don't know if there was more in the cupboards when he got home. He might have been handing the very last that his family had to Jesus. And then he isn't mentioned again. The crowd doesn't carry him away chanting his name. He doesn't make the front page of the Sea of Galilee Gazette. (laughs) There's no statue or monument built in his honor. We don't even know his name. See, what the boy had was this small vial, just a little bit. But in the hands of Jesus, what we feel is small, the things that we think are inadequate, are multiplied. They're expanded. And so that roughly thousand little water beads that are in there become this. And the situation in our lives, that person or that place that that Jesus is sending us to, to to share his hope and to share his love, suddenly what we thought was small begins to not just fill to the top, but overflow. I'm sorry, Mark. I'll help you clean those up later. (laughs) And that's exactly what Jesus wants to do in you and to do in me. In the hands of Jesus, what the boy had was not just enough, but abundantly and exceedingly more than enough. The Bible is full of stories about how God moved through the lives of ordinary people in powerful ways. People like you and people like like me. And the question that comes to my mind is, why would an all-knowing, all-powerful, perfect God choose to use imperfect people like us? And I think it's because God's glory shines the brightest when his strengths are displayed through our weaknesses. How great would it be to be that boy and to know that although you only had a little when you put it in the hands of Jesus, it became much and impacted thousands of hungry people that were sitting on the hillside, as well as millions, if if not billions of people who would one day read the account of John and see how what you gave became so much. I think of people like Moses, who God came to and said, hey, I want you to lead my people out of captivity. And Moses is like, ah, you got the wrong guy. I'm not qualified. And he goes down a list of all the reasons why God should pick somebody else. But some estimate that Moses ended up leading over 2.5 million people 
million Israelites out of captivity. I think God picked the, wrong, the right guy, despite his, shortfall, his shortcomings and his weaknesses. I think of people like, like Esther, who bravely put everything on the line and thwarted the genocide of, a, of an entire people. I think of people like Ananias, who God called to go pray for a guy named Saul. Saul was a well-known guy. He was called the chief persecutor of the church. It, it, was, very, it was known very widely that he, he hurt people, he beat people, he killed people, he imprisoned people. And now God's saying to Ananias, hey, you know this guy. You, you know of him. I want you to go pray for him. And I, Ananias obeys. And this guy Saul becomes Paul. He goes on to write nearly half of the New Testament and becomes one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever seen. Andrew, in our story that we're reading today in John chapter 6, he found the young boy with his lunch. And it's easy for us to focus on Andrew's doubts, and he, he had them. But every time that Andrew's name is mentioned in the Bible, it's in connection with bringing somebody to Jesus. What kind of reputation is that? That every time a name is mentioned, it's connected to bringing somebody to, somebody to Jesus, just like he did with the boy. See, Andrew realized that if he could just get somebody in the presence and the proximity of Jesus, that Jesus can change lives, that Jesus can change the circumstances and the situations around us. And what all those people have in, have in common isn't their education. It isn't that they all came from wealthy, influential families. They didn't seem to exhibit many of the qualifications that, that maybe we would think that God would need for, for, for us to be used by him. They were simply obedient. And God still uses people today. With, with God, the greatest qualification that you can ever have is obedience. That's it. Some of the youth know this, but I failed every single speech I ever gave in high school. Every one. Now, it's kind of ironic to me, and, and I, I think it's not ironic to God. He knows what he's doing. That I now get to speak in front of people a lot. In front of youth on a Wednesday night, in front of you from time to time. And the fact that God has decided to put me in a position where I speak in front of people tells me that it has nothing to do with my meek offering and what I can provide, but what he can do with obedience. That's why I continue to go on missions trips. That's why I continue to youth pastor. That's why I continue to take opportunities to speak on a Sunday morning, because I believe that if God can use the small lunch of a boy to feed fifteen to 20,000 people, that he can use somebody like me in a powerful way as well. Maybe he can still use me with all my imperfections and shortcomings to impact lives too. I have some pictures that I want to show you. And it's because of your faithful giving, because of your obedience, because of the obedience of 20 people who went to the Dominican Republic, that a large group of children got the opportunity to know Jesus. Because of your faithful and obedient giving and the obedience of 20 people who went with us a couple weeks ago, obediently following God as he directed him, more than 80 children's leaders got the opportunity to get training and resources to take back to their 11 churches 
and share the gospel of Jesus with children. Because of obedience, single mothers got to experience love and care. Because of your obedience, Puente Community Center is scheduled to open this fall only blocks from the university, giving students a chance to, to study, to relax, to take a break, but also to come to know Jesus. That's where all the sweating happened. Well, not all of it, but a good portion of it. And my prayer would be that, that our team, that my life, that your lives would be remembered like the boys. That the only name that's glorified is, is that of Jesus Christ. I don't want to live, live a life that leaves a legacy about me, but about Jesus. The name of Jesus. In the hands of the boy, there was not enough food. But in the hands of Jesus, there was more than enough. There are things that God wants to do in our friends, in our, in our families, in our workplaces, in our cities. And even here in our church. And he's, he's waiting for us to, to partner with him. To be used by him. So will you step out and live life with open hands to God. Maybe as you've been sitting here this morning and I've been speaking, talking about being used by God to impact the world around you, you've been wondering what God can do in you. The funny thing with us as humans is we typically have this mindset that what we have to offer, what we have to give, our talents, our abilities, our skills, are too small to really be used. But on the flip side of that, our sins, our imperfections, the things that separate us from God, well, those are too big for God to handle. Remember how those, those, there were two miracles that were mentioned in all the Gospels? One of them being the feeding of the, the 5,000. The other was the resurrection of Jesus. And God doesn't mess around with, with almost enough. God doesn't mess around with just enough. But God provides more than enough. And the death, the resurrection, the forgiveness, the grace of Jesus is more than enough. To use a basketball term, the ball is in your court. Or maybe the puck is on your side of the Hockey rink. I'll get up on the terminology. <laughs> but will you make the decision today to accept his forgiveness and to step into relationship with him? As the worship band leads us in one closing song, I'd ask you to reflect upon these questions. What are the loaves and fish in my life that God wants to use? What is holding me back from allowing God to use my gifts? Is there a pride in my life that would make it difficult for me to allow God to receive all the glory? Where is God calling me to step out in obedience so he can use my life? The prayer teams are going to be available on the sides and in the balcony. And I encourage you to, to step out and pray with them. If there's circumstances going on in your life that you just need somebody to partner with, they're available for that. But if you have decided today that this is the time, this is the moment to accept Jesus, to welcome him into your life, to, to, to make the decision to live for him, 
please, please visit one of these prayer teams and let them pray with you. There's power in sharing that you've made that decision. There's power in partnering with others so that they can encourage you and build you up and pray with you and pray for you. So whatever you choose to do during this time, I encourage you during these next few minutes to respond to what God has spoken to you today.